Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Welcome to Curious with Josh Peck. Start the show. Welcome back to the Curious Podcast. My name is Josh Peck, and I'm your host, and your name is Listener, and that's what you do. You listen. Well, guys, sorry. Sorry, but you're not going to get a delicious, long-winded intro like you usually do. That's right. Sorry. Your boy is exhausted. Actually, that's not true at all, but I've got a rather longish pod for you today, and in the interest of not, like, completely expending all my energy and your energy with some long-winded bloviating, I mean, how much time do you have for a podcast? It's ridiculous. I, you, you have an hour 40? What do you got? You got Joe Rogan time to listen to a podcast of mine? Listen, I'm not, I'm good. Am I Rogan good? I'm not that good. Not yet. Give me another year. You know what I'm saying? Look out, Joe. I'm on your heels, Joey. That's not it's not true at all. He sells out arenas. And I could probably sell out a small bookstore in a suburb uh, of a major city. But you know what? That's fine. Don't worry about my life. I'm fine with it. Also, I'm secure. Also, yesterday was the Oscars, the Academy Awards, and it was the lowest viewed in history. And I... Uh, Man, I get it a little bit. I mean, the pomp and circumstance, you know what I'm saying? It's just, I find creative competitions odd. Is it just me? It's not subjective. Like, you can't, or subject. it is subjective. It's not objective. Like, there's no point structure here, right? Like, so was Joaquin Phoenix so much more brilliant than anyone else? Well, yeah, kind of, but it doesn't necessarily, like, it's just very hard. It's a creative pursuit. And I think Joaquin Phoenix was right on where he said, the biggest winner tonight are the ones making money from this award show. Might, might be true. I think he said that at the Golden Globes. That Joaquin, he gets me. I like that guy. He's a good actor. But is he happy? On today's show, Mike Dolce. Heard of him? Four-time trainer of the year, best-selling author. Mike Dolce, is a, he's a brilliant guy. He's sort of risen to success, especially in the MMA world. He's sort of like the weight-cutting specialist. He jumps in on guys' camps anywhere from 10 days to you know three months, six months out before a big fight, and he helps curate their nutrition and their fitness, and he's brilliant when it comes to managing diet, managing physique. His insights into you know overall health and wellness are, are so intelligent, and I, we've been trying to get this pot on the books 
for months. And so last time he was in LA, he hit me up and I was so excited to hear from him. And the good news is he's, from what he tells me, I'm not a total mess. So things are looking good for your boy. Yeah. So anyway, uh, everyone get excited, strap in, enjoy Mike Dolce. This is the first ever Curious Podcast recorded in a car. I like this. Mike. I'm honored. This was meant to be. This was meant to be. I, yeah, this is, <laughs> like I said earlier, memorable. Um, I went to the front front desk of Mike's hotel and I was like, hey, how, how long are we thinking these alarms are going to be? They're like six, maybe seven hours tops. <laughs> oh, the whole day. <laughs> yeah. Great. Yeah, now, do I go down to the counter and do I look for refunds or discounts? Do I play that guy? <sighs> the Jew in me thinks this is an easy choice. Okay. <laughs> Tell me, go. This is obvious. I'm talking one, maybe two nights free. Okay. Possibly some sort of merchandise. Done. And T-shirt. a couple meals. Okay. Couple meals. I'm a, in. A room service credit. Yes. <laughs> um. So I think before we got interrupted we were saying how like you're perfect that obviously <laughs> and, and how like friends of mine people in their 30s now are sort of reclaiming their bodies yeah. do you do you help civilians as well honestly that is our primary focus really uh, civilians is a term that we use with great affection i'm a civilian also i'm, mm. I'm the married father of two little girls I'm not winning or fighting for UFC world titles or shooting a jump shot, you know, on on the the basketball court. I'm just trying to live as long as I can and be as healthy as possible during that period of time. And in the short term, I want to fucking look good and feel good and have energy and vigor and and be proud when I walk into a room. So it, it's not about stepping onto a stage it's not about you know being under the bright lights where a lot of people they confuse that it's just about feeling great when i wake up in the morning i want to be energized and excited to attack my day with the confidence that my body will be able to meet whatever we're confronted with Mm. and that's a little harder for some people that we spoke earlier that might be on statins they might be on, you know, uh, blood sugar medicine. They, they might be on something, taking something, using something. They need something just to be serviceable, not even to be optimal. Right. And, and that really starts, I, I, what I say is, is what we do in our 30s catches up to us in our 50s. So those, you know, our friends right now, your friends, you're a little younger than I, in that, that 30-year-old era, now's the time to start making the real decisions. You know, start investing into the 401k. Like now is when you start to hammer that. You don't wait until you're 50 because then it's damage control at that point. Do you think, do you take issue with, because I I think that I do with certain people, not necessarily in your position, but people that come from like the homeopath side. and, And while I can totally respect and think there's so much to gain from embracing, you know, non Western medicine and alternatives to taking pharmaceuticals. I also think there's a cavalier attitude where a person will walk into someone who has some training, but definitely not as much as a doctor who's been in it for 20 plus years and went to school for 10 years. Yeah. And 
they'll be on statins and blood pressure meds and other things. And that person in one fell swoop will be like, it's totally wrong. Your doctor's misleading you. Here's, you know, you need to be drinking more kombucha and like (laughs) taking 18 supplements. And I just think it can become a little cavalier. It can. And it's very dangerous Mm. because they don't know the background of the individual. Quite probably they may or may not be skilled or licensed to understand what the contradictions might be to any diet or exercise suggestions. And that's kind of the, um, the disclaimer, you know, do not try this at home. There's, you know, consult a physician before try any diet or exercise program. Well, that's real deal shit yeah. right there. That's, that's not just something to glance over because someone who's anemic, let's say, well, they have a severe issue with iron. Someone that's, that's type one, type two diabetic. Well, they got a real issue with sugar to just prescribe a menu plan or a workout program without having a greater understanding of, of how that will affect the individual or also not to understand the pharmaceuticals the individual might be taking. And maybe they do want to work off those statin drugs. And that might be very true. And I believe, and, and every doctor I've ever spoken to agrees, statins are overly prescribed. Really, the doctors prescribe it. They say, well, they're not going to eat better anyway. They're not going to exercise anyway. So we just give them the statin because that checks a box so that I don't get in trouble if they do drop a heart attack. Yeah, better than a heart attack. Better than a heart attack. And you, okay, agreed. But it's not best. Sure. Best is is applying a lifestyle approach to health, fitness, stress management, rest, recuperation, working with your doctor to determine what is the least required medical intervention to improve your life. And how can you best do that from a holistic perspective? And I don't use holistic like this foo-foo, crystal, you know, worshiping, you know, vegan. Chi. Reiki. Reiki. And... There's something to that if it's, <laughs> it's wrapped in, but that's probably like 5% mm. has 5% impact if your diet is correct. If your diet's not correct, if your stress management isn't correct, if your, your rest isn't correct, that Reiki stuff doesn't matter. Like Tai Chi, none of it matters. Going vegan, carnivore, doesn't matter if you don't have the, the basics in place. And most people, they don't do the basic stuff, what we were speaking about earlier. They don't do, they don't, eat properly consistently they don't sleep well consistently they don't do any of this stuff consistently and i say most people they'll they'll tie up their little you know sketchers and they'll go out for a walk or they'll they'll go on the treadmill they'll do the zumba class and they'll come home and they won't do it again for a few days but they'll tell everyone and they'll think like oh i work out i work that's what that's who i am i'm, I'm the workout person they Every- put it on facebook right, of course hashtag fit life of course hashtag zumba life zumba life fitspo zumba soldier right fuck that the zumba soldier <laughs> uh, listen that's a scare okay i gotta check that one can i can, i have to uh, i'm gonna tell on myself right now i take a hip-hop class okay. it's not zumba it's not okay i'll it, be the judge of that but it's sort of a fitness hip-hop class very basic yeah get a good sweat pretty sure it's millennial zumba Millennial? <laughs> oh, that's that's actually a good one. I'm not proud of it, Mike. No, <laughs> but you're consistent. You got to do what you got to do. Got, I agree. You know, what's your favorite song that comes on? When you hear that song, you're like, oh, shit. It's Bell B. DeVoe, Poison. Okay. Come on. Oh, wow. So this is like 90s era hip hop. Some 90s. Okay. Wow. Great respect. So what what is the major misconception about 
diet, nutrition, exercise, like what is the one glaring thing that totally turns you off, annoys you, think you think we're getting it wrong? Um, the vast majority get it wrong in thinking that there's something special to it. Mm. There's not. It is the most simple concept. And we spoke about a mutual friend earlier that these experts, and to which I have many, and I, I mentioned them you know, recently in my own network, that I've lost friendships. And I've lost respect for people because they're otherwise bright people. And they jump the shark on their own careers, in my opinion, to differentiate themselves and chase hashtags. So the biggest issue is those who chase the next best thing, the, the, the gluten-free, the keto, the carnivore, the, the paleo, the zone, the, the fit teas, the detox, the smoothies. The, if you're jumping, constantly jumping to all these things, these things don't work. Hmm. They don't work specifically long-term. Outcomes are zero, zero long-term outcomes. So you've just wasted three weeks, three months, three years of your life frustrated instead of slowly and incrementally making progress and normalizing your lifestyle. So I always talk about ordered versus disordered. All these exclusionary restrictive fad diets are disordered eating practices. That is an eating disorder unto itself. You, you, because many people listening, or they, those of which you know, have lost a healthy relationship with food, and they see food as an enemy in some way, and food as, as a, a hammer to bludgeon themselves and their emotions and their insecurities sometimes. Food should be a beautiful relationship. It's a beautiful friend that you should have with you and embrace and look towards being with in, in a manner. That should be the relationship. But you only feel like that if the food makes you feel good. So if you're only putting in the best possible foods, the healthiest, the cleanest, the most biologically active foods, and to kind of you know circle back to your question, I really try and speak about and educate the need to normalize our food intake and just have a healthy relationship with food. And that can break down into a calorie requirement or a macro, but that's much farther down. Most people talk about how calories in, calories out, that's all that matters. And then it's, well, your macros, and that's where the, the keto comes in, because that's a macro program, regardless of calories. Sure. You don't really count calories in keto and carnivore and vegan even. Just calories. It's like the macros, the protein, the carbs, the fats. And I do always mention fiber as a macro because people tend to forget fiber. Fiber is very important. So those don't matter once you're eating real food in wide variety that has high nutrient density with a lower total caloric load. So we talk about earth-grown nutrients, real food, right? Real food has a, a self-limiting factor to it in that you tend not to overeat apples, right? Mm. You have an apple, maybe two. But if there's a box of donuts, you can easily eat one, two, six. What kind? Krispy Kreme? Chris, whatever kind you want. Oh, Krispy Kreme. Krispy Kreme. So the red light's on. Krispy Kreme's been around for over 20, 30 years now. Oh, wow. I'm not sick of it. <laughs> <laughs> no. What's your favorite? Oh, well, okay. If it's fresh, yeah. got to go basic, old-fashioned, standard. Oh, uh, standard glazed? Glazed. Glazed, of course. Don't get crazy. Agreed, agreed. They've been sitting around. Mm -hmm. Get the icing with the sprinkles. Ooh, okay. And a nice coffee. And a coffee. Gotta be the coffee. And then three more donuts. <laughs> and then three more donuts, right? <laughs> yeah. And still, and you'll feel unfulfilled mm. when you're done and still kind of hungry, but you got a little bit of a gut rot now, right? Yeah. If you eat an apple, you don't feel like that. 
Now, one apple is about 100 calories. One plain donut is about 100 calories. So my point to real food having a self-limiting factor is, is explained, I think, perfectly in that metaphor. Most people, they don't do that. They'll buy a 100-calorie pack something or the other. And we worked with um, a lot of the pageant ladies, you know, for, for years and still do. All they care about is calories. Sure. How few calories can they consume? And we're talking about, like, Oreo cookie 100-calorie packs. It's only 100 calories, though. So it's not going to matter what I eat because I'm, quote, not going to gain weight. But they don't have the greater understanding of, of the impact on their hair and their skin and their nails and their, their cellular activity, their cognitive performance. You know, this lean mass ratio and, and all of that. So I'm getting a little long, I think, on your no, question. No, I, I think it's interesting because I I walk this line of, of the caloric rule of Sure. Of things, right? Because I basically, and having, you know, been obsessed with food and, and been through my own journey over the last 20 years, I feel like I can sort of, and I'm sure you're the same way and better, I can eyeball most foods, know how much calories are yeah. in it. So I'm constantly sort of keeping a vague track throughout the day of like, okay, if I take in about 2,500 calories, then I have a good workout and burn maybe 500 to 800 calories, I'm good. I'm in a deficit. Yep. And so I'm probably not going to gain. And if I went a little nuts and I ate 3,000, at least if I can get a workout and maybe I won't put on anything. And I walk this line and, and it allows me to eat kind of unhealthy and also healthy. And then I've had friends who've done paleo or keto, right? Sure. But they're doing the paleo, Mike. They're eating fucking eight bananas. Yeah. And fucking 14 eggs. Yeah. And I'm like... Whatever you think you're doing for your body, you're not. Yep. Just because it's healthy, but those things have so many calories, you're going to put on weight from that. Yeah. Right? That's, that's exactly it. And that goes back to these exclusionary, restrictive, disordered dietary practices that push people into these funnels. You can only eat out of these specific boxes, and you can only eat a certain number. You can eat as many bananas as you want. How the hell is that possible? Right, but you can't. So much sugar in bananas, right? So much sugar and just and fat and and bulk calories. Right, look at the total calories, but also you look at the sugar too and the carbohydrate content. Avocados too. Yeah, super fatty. Super fat. <laughs> um, certain type of nuts, right? Super, you know, very calorie dense, nutrient dense, calorie dense, of course. And again, it goes back to the the disordered approach. And people they want to be part of a tribe, right? They, well, I'm I'm a I'm a CrossFitter. I'm a I'm a vegan. Like I'm a poet. Like whatever their thing is, <laughs> they want to identify, and that becomes who they are. And what I run up against in my practice is a lot of people who identify. Like right now, it's the keto. It was the keto. Now it's the carnivore movement. Right. And the, the vegans are always there. And the the paleo, where the the if it fits your macros, like five eight years ago, it was all the macro heads were saying all the same shit to me that now all the keto and carnivore heads are. I don't know what I'm talking about because I'm talking about a wide variety of earth grown nutrients, fresh and local and natural, and you know as close to the point of consumption as possible and unmolested by man and all the, the dirty little chemical engineering and genetically modified tricks that they use that hurt our health and eventually the food supply and the soil quality and all that stuff. I'm wrong because calories in versus calories out is all that matters. Mm. And Or, you know, carbohydrates cause spikes in insulin, therefore carbohydrates are bad, therefore only meat is good. And that's kind of like the narrative being pushed out right now. And there's some doctor on, on, on Twitter had said something to the effect of, because multiple feedings a day cause spikes in insulin, 
it's better to have singular feedings per day or even to be fasted and linked the spikes in insulin to obesity. Basically, her, her hypothesis was, and it was more of a, a declarative statement than a hypothesis, which is what frustrates me in the, in the confusion of the culture, that you get people with some sort of name or credentials or acronyms behind you know, the, their name that are held as experts, and they put out this really flawed content, either because they don't know or because they do know and they're trying to monetize the consumer. Right. And that's something maybe we can jump into. But she made the statement essentially saying that eating multiple times per day will cause spikes in insulin, which will cause you to gain weight, which will make you obese. Therefore, you should be eating less often, like once a day and even consider fasting because that'll be ideal. And I simply commented, well, please explain why physique competitors eat four to six times per day to get to single digit body fat yeah, percentage five percent four percent body fat and sumo wrestlers eat and and power lifters and strongman eat you know one to two times per day two massive meals and they'll throw a little bullshit in on the side but the sumo philosophies are one massive meal mm. six thousand eight thousand ten thousand calorie meal once per day essentially and that's that's a real world view so if, if you're correct let me Test your hypothesis here. If, if multiple times per day, every shredded person I've ever met eats four to six times per day. And they want to maintain their muscle mass. Now, if you just want to diet away and, and almost die, well, then just stop eating. Sure. Fasting. Go on an 800-day fast. You're going to be skinny as fuck, right? You're going to be shredded in the hospital or in the morgue. So it, it's, it, it's this conflation of science. And social media has made it very difficult for the average person, the layperson, the civilian to understand what's real. They're more confused now than ever. And when we see them, so you asked earlier, do I work with the regular people? The majority of our business is with regular people and really targeting that 25 to 44 year old demographic because these are the ones that we can change. Mm. Now, of course, if you're older than that, we're here. And if you're younger than that, you know, you're on your way to us, but you're too busy getting wasted and getting laid, you know, to pay attention to long-term health outcomes. Oh, I miss it. Sorry. I know the good old days. Just right? took a walk down memory lane. Oh, sorry. So much Zima. So many, so many sevens. Sorry. <laughs> um, so it's education like this that matters most for, for the general population. They shouldn't be going on these crazy diets. They just need to be swinging the, swinging the axe. It's funny because, you know, obviously I've had this very public weight loss and lost 100 pounds, which I talk about too much, but... I feel lucky that some people have relayed to me that they found any any amount of inspiration from what I did. Sure. And and I'll notice a lot of people who are still struggling with their weight, sometimes they'll ask my advice, what did I do, how did I do it? And I see how crestfallen they become when I say, I just ate less and worked out. And Now, what did you take? That Tell me. Right. Really? No, what, there's, no, 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 that can't be it. It's either gastric bypass. Did you do the sleeve? Gotta. Yeah. Or, you know. What... Did you go to Columbia? I heard everyone's going to Columbia. <laughs> are people going to Columbia they for are. weight loss? For weight loss surgery? They're going to Columbia for a lot of surgery and for stem cell. Ooh. So Columbia is now becoming an emerging market, which, I mean, do your own due diligence, but it seems to be attracting a higher level of practitioner. Mm. A lot of good doctors because it's cash, right? Cash businesses down there, easy. A lot of talents going down there, and a lot of native-born, but you know, um, North America-trained doctors are going back. So, born there, come to the states, get great educations, 
in turn know what they have to know and then going back there and just dominating the culture. Yeah, I mean, it's it's really it, the the legalities of stem cells and whatnot. It's just making it so attractive to just take a quick flight to literally change your body. Sure. But yeah, it's it's to your point. It's like there are no new ancient truths. Mm-hmm. And my friend used to always talk about because he loved hot and cold therapy. Sure. And I said, what made you fall in love with it? He's like, because I like the idea that people have been doing this for thousands of years, like treating injury with cold. Yep. And using heat to like restart your engine. Yep. But you're right. I mean, in in our current culture, people the I you know we're obsessed with a hack. We want a hack. Yeah. And that's what's being sold right now. You know, I, I spend a lot of my time looking at the market and the industry, trying to better determine how can we provide products and services to help the average person. That's our target audience. Once again, it's not the elite athlete or the Hollywood celebrity. We're, we're fortunate to work with them, right? But that's more of passion projects and, and fun. The real meat of the work is helping change the lives of hardworking men and women who are trying to provide for their families and reclaim that joy of fitness that they once had before they got so busy and stressed and bills and mortgage and all that stuff kind of kicks out and they kind of lose their way and these marketers are then start popping up and sweep them into these little click funnels and these google ad campaigns and they're chasing them all over the internet with these little pop-up you know targeted and retargeted videos and and they fall into these look-alike audiences now they're getting marketed to without even knowing they're being marketed to just slowly groom to click onto one of these over-the-top exclusionary restrictive dietary practices that ultimately fall into despair because it doesn't work do you take you don't mike you don't like supplements i don't like supplements and supplements I, i have to be clear supplements are left for those of us who are already 90 percent optimal uh Right. So at someone like myself, I, I take a few supplements. What do you take? I'll take a ubiquinol, which is a the, the base ingredient of a CoQ10, right? More of a longevity. I take vitamin D3, 10,000 IUs per day, 5,000 IUs in the morning, 5,000 at night. Because no one's getting enough vitamin D, right? No. And man, when I lived in Vegas, I lived with a sh- my shirt off. Sunshine. I had like a beautiful gym and like an outdoor patio. And I'd sit out in the patio and I'd do a lot of my work. And the sunshine is Vegas. beautiful, right? Even there, and I eat perfectly, as perfectly as I think I can, even there, I was always in the low range of vitamin D3. I mean, relatively healthy, doing everything right. Once I started to supplement, but this is all based upon blood work. And this is something that we tell everyone, you have to get your blood work done. So we w- I wouldn't take a supplement without getting my blood work done to see if I have any deficiencies. With a deficiency that cannot be addressed due to individual physiology through lifestyle, then we look to supplement. So supplement is not the go-to. Supplement is the the you know last tool in the the, the box. You know as we continue on and through. So vitamin D, uh, ubiquinol. Anything else? Vitamin D, ubiquinol. I take a bergamot, uh, which is a cholesterol. Um, has good benefit to avoiding cholesterol buildup and the bad type of cholesterol, right? And I have a family history, though I'm fortunately perfect. Yeah. But at my age, 43 years old, I want to stay perfect, which is why I'm proactively taking like a bergamot. And it's more of a test in many ways, judging it against my own blood work. The ubiquinol, the vitamin D3, 
those are the, the health supplements. Then I'll take a creatine a few times per year, maybe a glutamine a few times per year. I might play with certain amino acids. We've been doing some research on a leucine, like a L-citrulline I may take um, for um, nitric oxide, natural nitric oxide production. So I wouldn't take an NO product, like a pre-workout most people talk about. No, you don't do any pre-workout. I, caffeine. 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 A little espresso shot. Metallic or Wu-Tang. <sighs> Too loud. I, some of that pre-workout, God, it works good. It does. And I know that it's it's At what cost? straight poison. <laughs> right. Fuck, man. A nice Celsius before you get in the gym. Never heard of it. You never heard the Celsius can? It's like a red line. Oh, God, no. Oh, it's great. I wouldn't. You got to get the pump, Mike. I wouldn't. I, I got to get the fucking pump. I get the pump, brother. <laughs> I get, you'd be surprised what a little bit of white potato will do to increase the pump. I heard beet juice, too. Beet juice, which has a very similar action to the L-citrulline. It's a nitric oxide um, catalyst. It'll help produce nitric oxide. I, like most people, OD'd on pre-workouts and my body just said, oh, no more of this. So then I moved to espresso and you want to know my secret sauce? Please. Piece of Nicorette. (laughs) That is genius. It really works. Yeah. Yeah. And I worked when I was down in Miami for a a little while working with some of the athletes down there. There was a brilliant doctor. I forget what his specialty was, but he was doing research on Alzheimer's patients and his research pointed him to nicotine. And instead of Nicorette, very similar, he was just taking the the patches, his little band-aids. And what we would, I would, you know, test them on myself. It was fascinating, more for cognitive performance, focus, right? Which is why I'm assuming you're, you're chewing the gum is to. And it's also a stimulant. A stimulant, sure. But yeah, the focus, it just has an overall uh, sort of an activator type uh, effect. Yeah. And so you take one and I, you know, like cut the, I forget, five milligrams. I forget the dosage now, but cut the little Band-Aid applicator Put it like inside your waistband yeah. directly on the skin and then like 30 minutes, 45 minutes later, go train. And it was pretty intense. So I was like, you know, doing like, I was like, wow, if it works there, I could probably write better, right? So sitting at the computer, yeah. typing away, um, if very effective. So you're on to something. So what, You got to sell it, man. Put it into a bottle. Sell it. I, what, Espresso and nicotine. That might not be bad. Might kill some people. Listen. But, you got to break a couple eggs. <laughs> this shit happens. <laughs> Listen. I need an, I need more businesses. Right? I just started a merch business. I only sold 100 hoodies. I don't feel great Bro, about it. Bro, first 100 hoodies. It's not bad. That's awesome. Working yeah. on it. Yeah. Fanjoy.co slash Josh Peck. <laughs> Get your shoe merch. So what is, you know, we all sort of have our thing that we eat regularly our go-to meals so what does a normal day of eating look like for you normal day of eating for me would be the breakfast bowl Mm. which is half a cup of oats one cup of fresh berries two tablespoons of hemp seeds two tablespoons of chia seeds maybe a tablespoon of golden flax seeds a quarter to a third a cup of raspberries uh, maybe some sliced banana if i'm feeling froggy a tablespoon or two of a peanut butter or an almond butter or a cashew butter um, sprinkled with some cinnamon, maybe some coconut flakes. I mean, you can tell I've eaten that pretty 
consistently. And that, that right there takes me less than two minutes to make. I walk downstairs, I click on the kettle, um, I scoop everything in the, it's right in the cabinet. I open the cabinet and this is a little pro tip right here for everyone. It's, it's hard, right? So I have my bowls, like all the like little cereal bowls. Mine's a little bit bigger, more like a, like a pasta bowl, right? Um, right there, the little pop top Tupperwares are right in that same cabinet. I just pull the dry materials down. Um, the, the berries are already like washed in, in the refrigerator or sitting out on the counter, depending on the time of year. Um, throw it into the bowl and by the time everything's in the bowl the the kettle clicks I pour the hot water on mix it up and it's done takes less than two minutes so if you got a family of of four six eight people it really it takes that quick and we deal with a lot of people with kids right Um, or me you we're busy gotta go and no I'm too busy and we deal with that a lot I'm too busy to eat breakfast right motherfucker you're not that fucking busy I look forward to breakfast it's the best I go to sleep knowing that it's going to be a better day because I'm going to wake up to breakfast. What's your normal breakfast? This morning, okay. It's I'm so ashamed sitting with a guy like you. <laughs> I uh, so what I do is I like I like cereal. Okay. So I'll do a healthy cereal, mm. almond milk, but then I throw in a little bit of an unhealthy cereal to spice it up. Okay. And all I think about so. Inevitably, I'm probably having a cup and a half of cereal. Okay. Three quarters of it, beautiful. You know, fiber. Yeah. Something good. Something called like Heritage Flakes. Okay. Or pre- sure. Something green on the cover. Some sort of green, earthy imagery. Akashi. Oh my goodness. Yeah. yeah it must gra- be healthy. A grape nut. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> but then I'm throwing in something with like a little fruity pebbles, uh, honey, bunches of oats. Gotcha. So when it gets really dark, there's a Captain Crunch in there. Okay. It depends, but uh, or like yeah, a super fibrous. Even though it's super processed, like a fibrous cereal. At least I convince myself, like ah, this is good. Sure. Yeah. You got to try the breakfast bowl. I do. I. I. It seems like a lot. A lot of food. Well, no, like when you the way you present it, I'm like that. It sounds great, but I know me, and I know like I'll do it once, and then I probably won't do it again. Why? I. I think probably the ease. I think also. I mean, that's still, it, it sounds about a thousand calories. I mean, yeah, depending, you know, anywhere de- depends on the ancillaries you throw in because it can be 600 to 1200 real quick. I'm weird in the sense of my brain likes some sort of reward at every meal. So it's like that. It's how I reconcile it for okay. myself. Whereas most people would have two huge cups of Lucky Charms with, you know, a big thing of whole milk. I'm like, I'm going to cut all that out, okay. but just spice it or like for lunch i love bread yeah you uh, who has it jim gaffigan has a great joke where he says uh i like bread but if i go to a restaurant i love bread <laughs> <laughs> yeah okay. right yeah they put that hot bread on the table it's over it's over so i don't want to not eat that bread so what i'm going to do is i'm going to order a nice salad with maybe a grilled salmon okay. maybe a, a nice protein on there but I'm going to have two pieces of bread for sure. Yep. And that's how I reconcile it. And same thing with dinner. It's like, where can I get a cheat in where it won't completely fuck me up? Gotcha. You're ready for the earned meal phase. Okay. The earned meal phase, and I understand exactly what you're doing. I went through this because I lost over 100 pounds myself. Wow. I've been on this journey too, right? And it's a mind fuck. And you have to have those trades and those exchanges and those rewards as you go through. So the earned meal was actually started for our friend, Mr. Chael Sonnet, mm. who left to his own devices has the diet of a four-year-old boy. 
he loves french fries and burgers and coca-cola out of a bottle god bless him right he's an american fucking man yeah for anyone who doesn't know chael who i interviewed on the show before i mean uh, mixed martial arts master fought in the ufc bellator and you worked with chael for many years for since 2005 2006 wow uh, and then I'm closer friends with Chael, I would say, than than coach athlete, and that was always the bond. We've been through so much together, through the game, the fight game. You know, before Chael was the famous superstar that he is now, he was Chael, the real estate investor agent that would whip everyone's ass at Team Quest. Right. And, you know, and he was like, he'd come in literally, come in, in in like a suit, get changed real quick, run on the mat, and just whip everyone's ass, and then like get changed real quick and back to his suit and like go and sell a house. Bef- and it was like, oh, you know, I mean, he's just keeping busy training. Moves, goes on to be one of the, the greatest mixed martial artists of our time, which is fucking crazy, right? Was he just, was he a wrestler? Like He was. He was a very high-level wrestler, collegiate wrestler. They're he was a best. two-time All-American, yeah. They're always the best at martial art, at MMA because they come up through a wrestling system as opposed to, you might be a black belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu, but you've only fought people in your gym. Yeah. Right? That's a great, a very good look at that. Yeah, because the wrestlers, they normally, they travel not just the state, but the country and to other countries, not just to compete against each other, but to train. Yeah. So the U.S. will go and train with Cuba. They'll go and train with Russia. They'll train with their adversaries to increase the game of everybody. And it'll be, I mean, wars, right? Right. Where you get a lot of JITS competitors, which is true. It's very, you can only train within that network. You can't go and train in another facility under another black belt because that's somehow a, a slight you know, to your own banner, which I get it, but I don't agree with it. I sure. respect it though, you know? So Chael only eats like a four-year-old. Earned meal. Yeah, left to his own devices. Now, when it's time to, to buckle down, he'll buckle down, right? You know, he's made 185 multiple times, which is a very lightweight for a guy of his stature, physical uh, stature. So we created the earned meal. I forget which training camp. I think it was the second fight against Anderson Silva, which was originally scheduled to be in Rio de Janeiro, Brazil. And they were going to helicopter us to a private island because security was at such a high risk for Chael, who had said such mean and nasty things about the Brazilian people to hype up this fight. It's what he's good at. It's what he's, I mean, that's why he is who he is, right? Yeah, he's a great shit talker. And, but literally, they're going to put us, and there's an island off the coast of Rio that they feel twilight there or something like that. Some of these foo-foo owned by this billionaire. And we're going to have like security, like the real deal, army rangers, navy seals, like guys at that level. I was like, Jesus Christ, like I'm not fucking going to like the supermarket, you know, in, in this climate, right? To buy Chael's bananas, you know? Right. Fucking get whacked. Um, but during this period of time as that's being negotiated, we got to train. Right, training camp's on, and he's got to eat and all this stuff, and he will eat whatever he's told to eat, like a good athlete, right? You know, and I say that respectfully because he hires myself because he believes he's hiring me for my skill set and for my advice, so he goes along with it. And also, as a good athlete, he's very good at communicating. Mike, if I don't eat something off menu, I'm gonna fucking die. Mm. I'm gonna freak out. It helps me to deal with the stress. So let's come up with a system. So we came up with a system that was every 10 days, he could have what we called an earn meal, which was the four hour window. He could eat whatever the fuck he wanted. And he's like, wait, 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 I need, I need structure here. Cause if you say whatever I want, I'm going to eat whatever I want. And I said, that's exactly what I want you to eat. 
And he's like, so if I want to go to the Mexican place and I eat all this stuff, I said, yes. And then I want to go to the pizza place. I said, yes. And then I want to go to the, 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 the bakery. I said, yes. Chinese. Everything. Yeah. Chinese, everything. And he's like, okay. Like, blew his mind. Now it's calculated because this is maybe 10 weeks out from the fight. And he goes, first earned meal. He just eats disgusting. He puts on like 12 pounds overnight from like the next day. He weighs in. Oh, like, shit. Did I fuck it up? It's like, no, perfect. I went to the same thing 10 days from now, the next earned meal. But motherfucker, you got 12 pounds to work off. So you better get to work. And it comes off fairly quickly after a meal like that because it's a lot of water. It's a lot of retention, right? As long as you're active and you don't do it anymore. Yeah. Now, a lot of people will go, they'll have a good day the next day because they feel like a piece of shit. <laughs> yeah. Right? But then the next day, they'll have kind of, eh, not so bad, not so good. And then the next day, they'll probably have something bad again because that's their normal behavior. And this is what most people happens to most people. Now, one bad meal will fuck you up for at least three days. Really? Three days. One bad meal. Not a four-hour window. Just one bad meal. What? What's a bad meal? A bad a meal. A huge bowl of pasta. If that's not something you're accustomed to, yeah. Go into, let's say, Olive Garden pasta. That's going to fuck you up. And they're unlimited breadsticks. It's going to fuck you up for days. How so? Just... The, the, the disruption of your digestive enzymes, most important. The, you know, imbalance to your blood sugar to the amount of water weight that your body will have to hold, the, the total body inflammation that will result as a cause of this. The, and when I mention blood sugar, I mention now an, an erratic pulse system that is going to adversely affect your mood and energy. It's going to take a good three days to clear the body and get back to zero, which mm. is perfect. Right? Zero is where we want to be. About three days is on average process all that and then stabilize right because a lot of damage comes through with that so with chael four-hour window knowing it's going to take him a few days to get back together he's going to be so motivated but also he's going to be fucking sick like well i'm such a piece of shit i couldn't believe i ate like that oh that was disgusting why was i such a glutton psychology and i've gone through it i lost 100 pounds again so i've, I've walked this walk myself each time he would do it it would become less and less. So like midway through camp, his quote earn meal would be, he'd have a burger and some fries and a Coca-Cola. And that's, that's what he would look forward to for the rest of his training camp once he kind of purged that emotional demon that we all have. We got this crazy emotional fucking saboteur in the back of our skull telling us to go and eat the fucking cheesecake. It's not going to matter. You already eat it anyway, so you might as well just finish the night and fuck it. I'll start on Monday and it, I'll work it off tomorrow and, and tomorrow you don't do it anyway. And that kind of thing goes on and on. So you have that saboteur. So you need to kind of appease that. And also food, in my experience, and now having a kid, and, and we have kids similar ages, it's literally the first reward system mm -hmm. that is instituted for us as children. Yeah, And it's the first thing in which we can overly indulge in to anesthetize our feelings. Yeah. And a, a friend of my wife said this, and I, I, it was so revealing. She said, I don't ever tell my kids to clean their plate. And I'm sure that idea came from that, you know, only over the last hundred, maybe 200 years have we had a bounty. Yeah. Right. So before that, it was like, yeah, clean it because you don't know when you're going to get it yeah. again. But that's no longer the case. Instead, what we're doing is we're giving our kids eating disorders by telling them the right thing is to eat even if you're not hungry. Yeah. Finish your plate 
even if you're not feeling it because mom and dad will be happy that you did that. And then you, the reward is you can go play. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's reconfiguring that idea. So to your point with Chael, it's like, you're right. There is such a part of me that thinks I was a good boy. I deserve 18 donuts. And that's part of the reward system. And, and it's a paradigm. And we have content out there that it paints a picture that most of our problems are based upon hugs. We got a hug when we did not deserve it, or we didn't get a hug when we did. And most of our fuck-ups, specifically food-related, have some sort of, of variation of that concept. We're very emotional. We're, we hurt ourselves with food. We reward ourselves with food. Food becomes this, this mistress, you know, or whatever the male version of that is, you know. That, that's what it becomes. And it's, again, it's a disordered relationship. So I have two little kids in my house. And what we do with our children is we lead by example. So the kids see the way mommy and daddy eat. They go to the supermarket with us. They help us pick out the tomatoes and, and, and smell the cantaloupe and tap on it. They, they have a better understanding of what this food is and where it comes from. But that's not teaching them food comes from the grocery store because we also will take them to the farmer's market. So we'll take them to the farms and they'll go and, you know, we'll, we'll get chickens from the field when it's, it's possible, you know, neighbor's farms and such like that. Strawberry picking. So as a parent in a modern society, we try and give our children as much context at a very early stage that they can overlay into their decision-making process with regards to food. Now, Halloween and Easter, you know, I've put a few posts out there that were famously applauded and criticized because when we celebrate, we don't teach our children to reward themselves with poison. And I say, if, if little Jane hits a home run and little Johnny gets an A+, Many families will take them to McDonald's or KFC or buy them an ice cream. Yeah. It's the best. It's the best. <laughs> but what they're doing is they're instilling that reward process where sure. now we feel that we should hurt ourselves if we do something good and we will poison ourselves. And that's not the right paradigm for a child to grow up in. Now, if you don't grow up with that, that's not the way it becomes. I have a very famous client who is so compelled and so intelligent, but so compelled to eat McDonald's. And it all dates back to a relationship that he had had with his father. That was the reward. And anything they would go to McDonald's, they go to the drive-thru and they get this thing. So to this day, as a grown man, many decades later, when times are tough or he needs that hug that maybe he didn't get, he, he pulls into McDonald's and binges. And then it's like, what the fuck did I, and then the self-loathing kicks in. And it's, it's very psychological. So food is psychological. And we say if you can control what you eat, you can control any aspect of your life. Because that's really what it, it comes with. It comes with self-mastery. And that's all food is. Do you... So you... Uh, Mike doesn't do cheat meals. I don't do cheat meals. I do earn meals. And I, I like to say, well, am I allowed to cheat on my wife? No! Fuck no. Am I allowed to cheat on, on you if we're playing poker together? Fuck no. Why would I cheat on my health? So it's, it's, a con, it's, it's again, it's psychological. I don't cheat. I earn. What's an earned meal look like for you? An earned meal for me would be a big pan of homemade lasagna that my wife will make. Oh, that's, that's beautiful. That's, that's an earned meal. To me. That's eat, nice. The whole fuck, she'll make one for me and one for everybody else, like on my birthday. And I will eat an entire pan of lasagna. What about sweets? Um, I'm not a sweet guy because I have a high fulfillment of fruit in my day in my life. 
You know, I eat a lot of fruit, fruit four to six times per day, and I don't have any crave for sweets. We'll make um, Thanksgiving homemade apple pie. So Literally you do that. Yeah, but made at home. Like my wife bakes it and makes it. So I'm not getting all the additional chemicals and crap that someone else might get. Um, and if given the option, I wouldn't want it. Because, like, I, I know what goes into it, and we're such minimalists with cooking now. If you're ever in town, come by. We'll cook a meal. That, I'd love it. You, bro. I don't turn down a home-cooked meal. And you would, and I, I always say, like, our burger, you would pay 30 bucks for a burger in my house and be like, that was so worth it. Simply because it's fucking delicious. Like, man, if you're going to cook yourself... You need to know how to cook. Now, I'm a caveman, not to scare anybody off. I'm a fucking caveman, right? I'm a basic, basic dude. It's really easy to cook these meals at home that are so fucking delicious and nutritious, like burgers and fries. We eat that all the time. It's all homemade. It's baked sweet potato fries or white potatoes, no problem. You can eat that, cook that, enjoy that once, twice a week. We make chilies, we make pastas, we make fajitas and burritos and, and you know pancakes. That's my everyday. Oh, so that's not considered an earned meal. No, that's life. That's, that's normal life. life. Yeah. Right. So when you're eating like that, the idea of of leveling up to something utterly disgusting is less appealing. Why? Why, why get a, a five dollar blowjob? Right. Not. You ever had a five dollar BJ? I have not. So maybe I'm I'm talking out of turn here. It might I be don't the pay best. for sex anymore, Mike. But no. <laughs> hey, but, oh my but god. Back in the day. Jesus Christ. <laughs> oh my god. I, hopefully my wife doesn't hear this. Um. Do you, so when you're working with a fighter yes, and you've got 10 days, yeah, they've got to weigh in at 165, they're 180. Yep. What's the protocol? 10 days out is easy. If we're only 15 pounds over 10 days out. That's not bad. That's easy. We can make, we can cut the 15 pounds in 24 hours. You can cut 15 pounds in 24 hours? Easily. How do you do that? Oh, that's that's where things What's get expensive, secrets? my friend. That's, that's the IP. Well, but I will. I'll pull back the curtain for you. I mean, you know, do what you feel comfortable. But I've heard it's a lot of um, hot baths. It can be. Yeah. I, I read an article. I think you wrote where you sort of revealed that, like a week out, you're doing the hot baths. Yes. And also, I'm only saying this so that. I'm qualifying this, and I think these are your words so that you feel comfortable to share it or not. Um, about a week before, you inundate your body with water, and then you start cutting that in half every day. Close. Okay. And let me, because there, there's lots of different protocols out there, and I believe our protocol is the most successful. And I can't even say I believe it. I believe that's factually true. So my system, our team, is the only team in the history of combat sports with a 100% success rate. And this is over 20 years. There's many teams who have worked in this space. Combat sports, multi-billion dollar industry, lots of PhDs and MDs and all of these other sophisticated teams have come in and attempted to do what we have done. And none have done it nearly as well. So that being said, I'm trying to qualify the information that I'm putting out there. What we do with weight cutting is as minimally dehydrating as possible, as minimally calorie deprivating as possible. A lot of the other systems, it's a matter of essentially cooking the athlete until they're as dry as they can be and hoping that's enough to make weight. What we do is we systematically reduce non-functional body weight over a period of time, three weeks, six weeks, nine weeks. I like the you know, three-week cycles is actually a really good system with the body and training camps and just to make sure we're, we're hitting results that aren't 
predicated upon a monthly cycle, right? A lot of people, oh, January, I'll do this. In February, I'll do this. It's too long. Anyway, we prepare the body for the final weight cut by managing the, the functional body mass and the non-functional. When we work with athletes, the functional is what matters most. So if I tell you, you have to weigh 170 pounds on January 1st, and now you weigh 190 pounds, so okay, I can do that. But if I say on January 2nd, you have to fight for 25 minutes at the utmost potential of your ability. It must be the best day in the history of your life, performance-wise. Can you do that? Oh, shit, I don't know. i got to lose 20 pounds, and then I have to go out there and perform athletically at an Olympic level. I mean, you see the way these athletes compete at that level. Millions and tens of millions, hundreds of millions of dollars are on the line. So there's a specificity to what we have to do. It's the, you know, the split second wins the 40. You know, it's, it's the, the millimeters what gets you out of the way of that straight right, or it knocks you out cold, right? That's just... Breaks your jaw, Covington. Covington, right? It's that quick. Yeah. And that's where that, we work in the minutia. So back to the weight cutting. That being said, we do everything we have to do. 10 days out, we start to load. We start, because now the athlete's as lean as they're going to be. I don't want them to get any leaner. In fact, I want them to start putting more weight on, more functional lean tissue to preserve that lean mass. And I want to fight to keep every gram of lean muscle tissue from day one of camp with that athlete so they can bring that into competition because that might be the millimeter of the split-second advantage that they need. A little bit more torque, a little bit more leverage, a little bit more you know, activity or contractile ability. Force production, you know, there's the power to kg ratio. We're looking to always optimize that. So 10 days out, and I'll give you an overview so everyone understands, knowing that the individual application will change based upon the person. Health history, background, training demands, stress level, anxiety, sleep, like all that we take into in consideration. And most of the other systems don't even understand that side of it, right? That's These are very heavy data points for us. Right. 10 days out, we'll start to play with the sodium to potassium ratio. Many teams will start to deplete sodium and go to zero sodium. Well, sodium is necessary for all con- to survive. All muscular contraction. You need sodium. So we never deplete sodium. Most of the teams deplete sodium and they deplete carbohydrates. Well, carbohydrates are converted into glycogen stored in the muscle, usable as glucose, which is the primary most efficient energy source for the human body. Makes no sense now to reduce the muscle's ability to contract and also pull all the fuel from the muscles in the 10 days, 5 days, 3 days, 1 day, preceding the most important athletic competition of your life. You simply, the athlete simply cannot rebound fast enough. That's easily a, a three-day, if not a 10-day rebound to fully get optimized again. So we know that going in. So again, 10 days out, we start to play with the sodium to potassium ratio, which allows the body to naturally purge water. We also start to teach the body to most efficiently sweat. We'll start with just easy hot tubs, easy bath. And when we say, you know, it's, it's a hot tub, it's a warm tub. We don't go too hot. And a lot of the other teams out there, they'll turn the tubs as hot as they can be. And this is happening right now in the world of, of elite combat sports. Because I've heard that that a lot of people don't know, that you're actually sweating your balls off in a hot bath you, or in a hot tub. You are sweating everything. You're sweating your soul out. <laughs> right. And the hotter it is, the more anxiety you will feel which creates a biochemical situation that your body will now resist the release of water. Because it's cortisol starts... Cortisol, and there's, it, there's a whole cascade of hormonal and chemical reactions that begin. And everyone is a little bit different, but the overall, the end result is the same. The weight stops. 
coming off. And you'll hear it, an athlete, like, I sat in the sauna for two hours and I just couldn't sweat a drop. Well, it's because you were dying. (laughs) Sure. And your body knew you were dying and it was fighting you to live. So with our system, we work with it very efficient. So in our, our bathtubs, picture yourself laying on the most beautiful beach you can imagine with your girl next to you with a big smile on her face. And there's just this warm ocean breeze just caressing your body. That's the way you should feel when you're cutting weight. Anything outside of that is too stressful. So we start practice, you know, sessions. 10 days out, every night before bed, we have the athlete or the individual go through a 30 to 45 minute tub session sipping like a warm chamomile tea spiked with a little raw local organic honey or a little fresh lemon, keeping the fluid coming in, teaching the body to sweat efficiently and associating this calming, relaxing, um, mental state with the weight cut, this, you know, process of the weight cut, the, the elimination of, of the water from there, tubs over, pull the plug, let it all come out, stop sweating. Once you're done sweating, allowing the body to naturally sweat, once you're done sweating, then stand up and take a shower because you're in a dirty tub, right? No matter how clean you are. Shower off so you're clean, normal room temperature or hot water, and slowly start to turn that until it's cold. If you have access to maybe a pool in your backyard, great, go jump in the pool or like whatever, you can plunge, fine. But cold shower for as long as you can, up to five minutes, but to the point you get the shivers, right? Sounds a little Wim Hof, but it's not. It's working with the body. What are we doing now? We're reducing total body inflammation. We're bringing the core temperature all the way back down. You will sleep the best sleep you've ever had. You will wake up the next morning drier and tighter and more youthful and vibrant looking. So again, really good positive associations for the athlete who's getting ready to compete during this peaking phase where stress levels start to shoot up and all that stuff. And we walk them through until about day five. So let's say Sunday going into Monday of fight week weighing on Friday. We then start to increase our water intake. A lot of teams go wrong because they start to, it's a reverse pyramid. They'll start with three gallons on Monday, then two gallons on Tuesday, and one gallon on Wednesday, then nothing on Thursday, and then they'll step on the scale on Friday. Well, what happens is they're dehydrated come day Tuesday, maybe Wednesday. They've already dehydrated the body. Now, just, you know, drinking water in and of of itself is dehydrating. Really? Because the more you drink, the more you expel. And the whole point is to lose. We drink more water to lose more water. If you're not balancing out the electrolytes, primarily the sodium, you're not going to hold on to it. Right. The more water you take in, the more electrolytes you have to take in with it. Most don't. They just drink more water. You're becoming dehydrated. Okay, good. That's why I drink a lot. That's a great Mitch Hedberg joke. He's like, I drink Gatorade. I'm not even an athlete. <laughs> He's like, That's good. he says, uh, Gatorade forgets about this market. You don't have to be an athlete. You could just be a thirsty dude. That's true. It's true. And that is many, right? You see many people, mostly overweight or obese people, walking around drinking Gatorades and Powerades and all the other things. Well, it's the sweat of champions. It is, isn't it, though? It's the tears of winners. I mean, I want to sweat neon blue. What? But, and I have no doubt that your process is the best and most efficient of all the weight cutting. And yet, you get on that scale after you've gone through like a long training camp, yeah. and now you've been cutting for. Usually, if you if you have to cut weight for a fight, how you said about a week before is when you really start a, a ten days protocol. out is when I mean the peaking phase begins ten days out in complete now we can jump in we've been brought in the wednesday before friday weigh-in before for some very famous fighters and hadn't been able to damage control and get them on weight 
but no one's getting on that scale not hungry. Um, right? Well, our athletes, the night before weigh-ins, will typically eat uh, wild-caught salmon, jasmine rice, some sort of green veg on the side. Usually, we'll start to replace their electrolytes before they go, go to bed the morning or the night before they weigh in. So I would say that our athletes are actually fed. Now, hungry is relative. Could they eat a big old 16-ounce steak in a mashed, you know, pile of mashed potatoes? Yes, they could, but they haven't been starving themselves for multiple days. They're still eating four times per day. Um, and even like even going to the scale, they're eating like handfuls of, of berries, let's say, just to keep their blood sugar stable, to keep their energy. But also remember the psychology of it to keep their confidence. Yeah. That's something when you look around and, and maybe you don't feel that good. Because you're tired and you haven't eaten and your blood sugar's in your fucking toes and you're just, uh And then your opponent comes bouncing into the room, talking up a storm. Like, this motherfucker. Uh-oh. Well, yeah. I mean, I, I've seen, like, even you, you see Connor when he got on the scale at 155 pounds, Connor yeah. McGregor. And, you know, he probably walks around at, what, 180? Um, that's what I hear. He'll get as high, but probably normally, like, mid-70s, but close enough, right? Full belly up in the 80s. And he looks sucked up. Yeah. And... I mean, I think it's interesting, right? Because you lose all this weight, you weigh in 24 hours before. What does the refeed look like? Is it instantaneous? Are you pumping them with Pedialyte the moment they Never. get off the scale? Never Pedialyte, ever. Pedialyte is terrible. Most of the athletes will, will down like Pedialyte. Now, remember, Pedialyte was meant to be served in tablespoons, not quarts. Read the back of a Pedialyte. It's like two tablespoons for this, you know, two tables of capful for that. Not in quarts. Athletes will go back and drink a few quarts of it. Now, it's, it's neon in color. So what creates the neon color? Um, usually something that has a disruptive action inside the digestive environment. So now, plus there's sucralose in there, which we know sucralose disrupts the digestion, which now reduces the efficiency of true nutrient consumption. So by doing those, right, and it's the majority of athletes, Gatorades and Pedialytes and Powerades and whatever, all that stuff, as soon as I see it, I laugh. Huh, I hope they're fighting us. They won't be 100%. I know that for sure. So we make our own basic electrolyte solution out of just purified water and, and either, you know, table salt and or sea salt and fresh squeezed lime juice and raw local honey. And, and, you know, we'll start mixing in like chia seeds as, you know, kind of like a secondary preparation a few hours later. So we're very targeted in every 15 minutes. The athlete must be drinking and or consuming specific nutrients at specific times as we go through but my goal is within two hours of weigh-in my athletes should be able to compete that's what i want because we work with division one collegiate wrestlers also they got a two-hour turnaround between the time they step on the scale and when they're on the mat typically there's no reason why the mma athlete can't do that and the way i see it is the additional you know 22 or 34 hours later depending on the place in the card they just get that much better and continuing to get better so it's fluid first what we say with the weight cut you need to back out the same way you pulled in the same foods, the same fluids, same, same, same. We just start to trickle it all back in again. Water is, is, is you know, hydration and, and electrolytes are ideal. What, what do you typically project, like someone cuts 15 to 20 pounds, right? Yep. Is that about the window That's usually? About, yeah, it's around 20 pounds regardless. So are you expecting them in that 24-hour window to put back on 20 pounds? We call it the three-week weight. So what the athlete weighs three weeks before competition is usually the ideal performance weight if they're following our system, which means we have them about as lean as they should be. 
we can get them a little bit leaner, but three weeks out, I'm trying to add a little bit more lean muscle tissue. So three weeks before a fight, usually you'll see the athlete's calories start to bump up a little bit, either through, um, you know, calorie cycling every third day, fifth day, what have you, they, they get a calorie bump and we can break that down into macros depending on the individual. But we start to really start to feed their lean muscle tissue, which will drop body fat naturally. So they might not see a massive net loss in total body weight. Composition will get better. And it's much easier to lose water from muscle, 70% water, than fat, 30% water. You know, loose math right there, but pretty accurate. So about three weeks out is when we start to kind of lift them up. We know, let's say Mursad Bektik, he's 162 three weeks out. 162 roundabout is where we want him to fight. Now, as the days go and the weeks go, it goes 62 to 58 to 52 to, you know, now he's got to weigh in at 46 or so, but he'll float right back up to about 62 or so. I remember I had a, you know who Justin Fortune is? Yeah. So I trained with him for a while just for fitness and getting in shape for a movie and, and he's become a good buddy and I think he had told me about James Tony who was just a great fighter. Sure. Love to eat. Yeah, love to eat. <laughs> and, uh, boxers do. And something to the effect of between the weigh-in and the night of the fight, 24 hours, he had put on 35 pounds. Yeah. In 24 hours. And how did the next day go? How did the fight go? Ah, who knows? Probably not great. But it's a lot of weight to put back on that quick. But obviously he was cutting his brains out. Sure. And probably not quite the right way. Probably crash dieting towards the end and he probably had higher levels of, of non-functional body weight, which makes it that much harder. Right. You know, because now you have to cut more from the lean tissue, drop your calories further. And it's that's not an ideal performance state. Were you as disappointed as I was to see Andy Ruiz come to the rematch 20 pounds heavier than he was the first time? Absolutely. You know, to me, it seems so, and I like Andy Ruiz a lot, it seems so self-defeating and sabotage in the respect of like, damn it, Andy, like we didn't expect you to win because I was hoping that there'd be a third fight so we'd get a trifecta and he'd get the biggest payday of his life. Sure. But more so, I'm like, now we don't even think you deserve another shot. Yeah. Because you didn't take it serious. Yeah. You're dead on. He doesn't deserve. Had he been in shape and lost that fight the same way, had an off night, he was the better man, wanted to do it a third time, we would probably all want to see that. Right. But no, he ate himself out of that fight, which is, I'm, I have to imagine he's so remorseful. I can't imagine. But maybe he's got $20 million in his bank now. Right. Maybe he don't give a F. He's done, done. I mean, that's possible too, but he probably walked away from another 40 to 60, if that matters to you, right? Yeah, that's it. If it matters to you. That's a nice scratch. Right? Oh, my God. Do you, so you, I, I know you said you work with, with certain actors and people in Hollywood, and like when I tell you about like my cereals and stuff, the, the little blind spots in my diet that are sure. stopping me from the pinnacle. Could all this be solved by just a little human growth hormone? <laughs> um, yes, to a degree. I feel like... But you'll, you'll hit a ceiling there also. Most guys in my position, I'm never going to do it, but, you know, uh, younger to, like, starting to become middle-aged actors, they're all on the juice. Yeah. They're on that shit, right? Yeah. And that's one of the reasons why we sign NDAs now. And I sign NDAs, it's, I'm the one that asked for it. 
so I have full disclosure. I can know everything so I can be much more effective. Sure. There's no worry that anything ever gets spilled. And you look at the history of my career, nothing ever has even prior to the NDAs, but it allows that deeper layer of conversation to understand. And most of the higher profile actors and athletes, they have really good medical teams behind them or at least access to medical teams so what we do is we make sure we coordinate that they're working with the proper doctors they're doing everything that they could and should be doing if that's their choice to do so we always press first into the holistic approach because the better you are with your nutrition with your rest with your stress management with your training the much greater that becomes if you do employ like an hrt style program now you're 33 yeah so at your age and stage of life, without seeing your blood work, probably t- way too young. It, you would hurt your overall progress. I'm not doing it, but there are so many people, I feel like my age and younger. Younger. Oh, sure. And when you see that like disgustingly shredded guy in the movie, yeah, my buddy would make this joke. He'd be like, hey, Mike, jealous people, huh? Yeah. <laughs> He'd be pointing <laughs> at me. But I, you see it. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's... When someone gets paid for that physical performance, you understand it. Do I agree with it? Oftentimes, no, because they can get there with a little bit more work for a little longer period of time. They would get there and then be able to propel themselves even better. But a lot don't have that type of discipline and patience. And that's what I really love to see. Is it a deal with the devil that once you start that, you kind of, you've shifted your body forever now? It Psychologically, it becomes much easier and a lot of people were impatient. So once they go the route of drugs, they think that's the only way to get results or they always compare their natural progress to that of their drug-induced progress and their scale is busted. And, and there's, there's great athletes and celebrities who are lifetime drug-free and, and would never even think about it that have achieved higher levels of success in their careers, but even a better-looking physique, leaner, drier, much fuller. Right. But again, they're awake at 4 or 5 in the morning, and they're getting in workout one before they have to get you know, to the studio or wherever they need to be or get their kids to school. That's the extra work, and it depends upon the person. Now, I know lawyers and and surgeons who are taking all sorts of pharmaceutical peds to enhance their careers there also that's part of the conversation so it might not have and some has a a physical attribute better endurance they can stand on their feet longer you know they, they can you know mentally stay focused and optimal keeps their heart rates lower you know i know beta blockers are probably kind of big in the hollywood scene right they are right they are because it lowers your blood pressure and it allows you to i mean i would imagine especially for auditions to take some of that anxiety and fear away kind of calms you a little bit but doesn't cloud you like a xanax or something i've never used one but i've seen people who have oh mike it's great is it Xanax? Oh, Xanax. Okay. it's too great. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) I'm on them right now. I'm actually not kidding, but no, (laughs) 11 years sober, thank God. Good man, good Um, man. But yeah, I I haven't taken a beta blocker, but kind of sounds miraculous a little bit. I know a lot of um, marksmen, snipers, archers, you know, um, the the Olympics. That was, uh, was it like the cross country event where they have to like kind of ski their way and then shoot the target with their rifle. Yeah. Beta blockers are huge in that sport. 
and soloists, musicians. Okay. Especially, yeah, I mean, you're at Carnegie Hall about to perform in front of... You got to perform. Yeah. Now, if they were drug tested, if that was prohibited by the WADA of, of you know, of classical music, <laughs> right? <laughs> right. You know, would they try and usurp the laws to get the performance benefit? I guarantee they would because they're humans. Yes. You know, so, you know, to, to close the loop, if someone chooses to do that, they got to be under a doctor's care. They got to be getting their blood work done. They have to be getting pharmaceutical grade products from a, 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 a sanctioned U.S. lab because there's so much dirt and damage going on out there through you know, the wrong information and the wrong products and things like that. And again, we always push towards the natural and the holistic. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, that's where it's at. You're always going to be good that way. Do you... And and I feel like HGH makes cancer speed up in your body. It's possible. For sure, right? It's possible. So, okay, last question before last question. Yeah. Um, I tore my pec bench pressing. Okay, I see. 225. Beefcake. Ooh, all right. Got two wheels on the side. For five. For five. But bam. All right. I know. That's good. I only got through three, and then my pec gave out. <laughs> but I see the benefit of traditional powerlifting. Yeah throughout your life or do you sort of subscribe to that because i feel like you know i i see people who so badly want to get a certain physique and they're doing everything around it because the idea of doing a deadlift or a traditional squat or what have you scares them what what are your thoughts on that what's your approach to just like the crash course of like i would have you do these three exercises if you were a client of mine perfect so we teach we have a certification system that we coach coaches how to train a, a entry-level novice never trained before or is coming off a debilitating injury walks in your facility all the way through what we say an exit level intermediate which would be let's say a high school state champion athlete and then we have the advanced program which is world-class athletes olympians and you know the elite so our system stages you from that entry-level novice to olympic gold medalist and what we do is we just look at the, the basic design of the body. What do we do? We press, we pull, we hinge at the waist, bend over, we squat at the knee, and we rotate through the trunk. Or we resist rotation in many ways, rot rotation, anti-rotation. So when we press, we press vertically and horizontally, we pull vertically and horizontally. Again, so we start to look at these basic motions. So those are five simple movement patterns that we can start to employ into our daily life. And mix it up and have fun. And what we do in our system, if you can't do 100 nonstop bodyweight squats, 100 nonstop push-ups, and 10, but I really like 15 dead stop underhand chin-ups. Dead stop is a fold angle, motionless, pulling all the way up. And we say knuckles to nipples, not oh, getting shit, my chin hard. over the bar. It's hard. That's hard. But your design, your human body is designed to do that effortlessly. And once upon a time, we all used to. But yeah. we got sedentary and we got lazy and... We made excuses. So what we do is we move our clients. And a lot of our pro athletes, first time, will come to the room. They can't do that. Right. They can't do 100 nonstop bodyweight squats. They, they can double bodyweight, you know, back squat, but they can't do 100 nonstops. So before I cut you off, you were saying how we should all be able to do 100 push-ups without stopping? 100 bodyweight squats, 100 push-ups, and at least 10 dead hang chin-ups. Now, that is the 
entry-level, lowest possible bar to begin mastering your body. Once you can do that, then you have the muscular control, the ability to send fuel and oxygen to the working muscles to start adding additional load or resistance where we can, you know, do weighted squats and kettlebells and all that other stuff. Most people, they, they jump the mastery of their own body in order to start doing these fancy exercises. Now, I'm a, a meathead. I'm a gym, I'm a power lifter, right? You know, I'm, I'm that dude. I love the weights, but I never lost, I think because I'm a, a wrestler, you know, came up in, in wrestling, I never lost the respect for what the human body can do and how far you can push it. But also I believe I excelled strength-wise once I did use weights because I was already so proficient at moving my body as a, you know, moving your body through multiple planes. And that that's very challenging for a lot of people to do. You know, some, some people, they lose the ability to sit down and stand up from a chair in time because sure. they're so used to you know, leaning on the, 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 the arm of the chair, leaning over on the table and, you know, kind of, you know, shifting their body weight in order to stand up. Now, we have clients in their 80s into 90s almost that can do this. Not quite as fast and not with the same intensity, but they can still operate their body in that manner, which I believe allows them in science shows much longer potential for lifestyle long longevity you know longer life and such so i think we're just built to be foraging and hunting we are all day all day moving all the time and the more you do that i think we'd be so surprised at how many health issues how much anxiety how much mental stress just fades away yeah by doing like an hour to two hours of rigorous exercise yeah and like this morning i woke up and i just went for a walk just like 30 minutes one direction, saw the sights, hopped up on some railings, and just, I'm not a weirdo guy, because you got Santa Monica Beach right here, and I'm not hanging from all the rings and doing all the swings, and, and you know, there's people, free, freezing cold this morning, windy as all hell, and there's girls in bikinis posing for, like, IG, like, and I'm sure it looked beautiful, right? Nobody knows they're freezing their asses off quite literally, you know, so <laughs> that's a whole other side, but my point is, I'm just moving my body, freely moving my body. I'm, I'm in the beautiful sunshine. I'm trying to smile, breathe in the air, like just get that good vibe going. And a lot of people, they miss that capacity to fitness. I got to go to the gym. I got to do my three reps of 10 or my, my, my hip hop dance class. Is that what you, what you call it? It's called groove, Mike. Groove. groove. And that's like millennial, millennial, Zumba. millennial Zumba groove. I'm the groove, <laughs> which is awesome also. But there should be a blend of that. And also then the higher intensity, the resistance type of stuff. So we all mix that in and you're living a great life. Yeah. But it, when it gets too, I think, too structured, too dogmatic is where it tends to break down for a lot of people. Okay. Last question. Okay. I ask everyone on my podcast this. Yes. What are your one or two commandments, truths that you have discovered that you would want to impress upon someone else? Cash management. Understanding personal finance is huge. Knowing what compounding interest does at the earlier age, the better. I am a, a zero debt person. I've lived most of my adult life now as zero debt, cash flow, everything. And if you can't afford to buy it for cash, you cannot afford it is a great philosophy, especially in business. I say this as a, a business person who's grown an international brand without any investors, without any partners, without any other money other than my own. And everything that we've done has been through the cash flow of our business. That has allowed us to be as very flexible. 
with the market, the changing of the market, and also very conservative in the moves that we make because it's our money. So it, I think it grows from personal in my own life to, you know, the coffees that I buy in my given day. Again, I am a coffee fiend to be strategic. Also knowing, again, the compounding interest of that. Um, and then to the business side. So that would be the first commandment. And the second one would be is to embrace a lifestyle that makes you smile, whatever that might be. And that might not be chasing dollars. It might not be chasing titles. It might simply be seeing the things that make your you know heart open and being surrounded with people that that can fill that space with you if if you're doing that in life then everything is perfect and, and most people they strive for what they think they're supposed to do while never embracing what they truly want to do thank you mike absolutely let's go ahead in olive garden Oh, well, I can order the water there. Applebee's? Applebee's. Um, I could actually, in the, any of these restaurants, last little tip, bonus to the show, lean, green, and clean. I travel the world just like you. Lean, green, and clean. Lean, cro- lean proteins, green vegetables, clean burning carbohydrates, no sauces, no seasonings, everything on the side. Eggs, give me poached eggs. Do you have any spin? Give me poached eggs and an avocado. you have any bananas or any fruit back there? Give me that. What still has its skin on? That's what I want. I can get that in the Denny's or an IHOP. I do a lot of military talks, which are in hell holes, right? Health hell holes. I can still go to their crappy little strip clubs and get basic foods like this. Not that I've ever been in a strip club, but you know what I mean. Like the lowest possible kitchen you can find and eat like this around the world. Lean protein, green vegetable, clean burning carbohydrates, everything on the side. And then I determine if I want to add anything to it. All right, fine. Let's go to a cheesecake factory. We can do that. Compromise. Jeez, that's uh, the, I think it's the, the the Tuscan chicken. I think you ever had the skinny licious menu? <laughs> I, I think the Tuscan chicken might be on. It's just chicken breast with like uh, um, not a salsa on the side, but like tomatoes and basil and, and whatnot. Lovely. I've been there. See, I travel, man. I've been there. I'm impressed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, man. Absolutely, brother. That was it. That was Mike Dolce. How great was that? Come on. He's so good. So, so smart. And since he told me about the whole 10 day plan, you know, where like save your cheat day for like the 10th day and just make it a four hour window of eating. I'll be honest, I haven't subscribed to that at all. But good news, I'm playing a U.S. Marshal in this new project I'm working on, and so I'm going to have to get this soft body into something passable for a law enforcement officer. So I think I'm definitely going to start applying that. Mike, I'll be in touch. (laughs) Anyway, guys, thanks for listening. Talk to you soon. Love you. Bye.